On today's Behind the Wall podcast, we're talking about the triple header week in Atlanta, the Black Lives Matter movement in NASCAR and the effects surrounding the sport. We're introducing a brand new segment, which I think everyone will like. In addition to that, we have Behind the Wall trivia, an awesome interview with Steve Everett, and as always, our hot takes and dark horse picks for both Martinsville and Homestead. All right, let's roll. Well, I'm dressed for success. I'm going for gold. Well, I'd rather strike out on three straight pitches and have regrets when I get old. Well, you can wait to feel like someone till the world discovers you. I'd rather fake it till I make it than make it. Yeah, I'd rather fake it until I make it than just get Welcome back to the Behind the Wall podcast with a somewhat electric weekend, really more so with AJ Allmendinger winning the Xfinity race. We had Kevin Harvick dominating the Cup Series and Grant Enfinger getting his first one of the year in the Truck Series. What did you guys think about the races? Did you guys enjoy them or, or were you on the same boat as me where I kind of thought they were lackluster? I uh, used to look forward to Atlanta and this new package kind of Ruined a lot of mountain has for me, but seemed to really kill Atlanta. I love like watching the Xfinity series. Those cars are sliding all over the place. I feel like I say it every week, but they're just fun to watch. Atlanta's hard on tires. You saw how much the Xfinity drivers were out of the throttle, where the cup guys are out of it a little bit, but definitely not as easy on the throttle as uh, Xfinity guys are. Shark Race was all right. It was uh, the second leg of the bounty, but... Now that the bounty's over, it was just Chase Elliott versus Kyle Busch. Kyle had a bunch of problems, but in my opinion, the Xfinity race was the best of the weekend. We didn't uh, see much action in either either of the other two, but Xfinity seems to be producing the best race in week in and week out. Yeah, and you know, I'm kind of on the same boat with you, Hobbs. I just, I mean, I mean, I was kind of... D- I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but I was just like not very interested in the cup race. I watched the Xfinity race too, but I mean, I thought both of them were both kind of more or less the same, to be honest. I would have liked to see more action in stage three. I felt like stage one and two of the cup race were definitely all right, but stage three just seemed to be, uh, I don't even know. It's just, um, he had a like classic Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, he had, Everybody except the top 10 lapped. And I think second was like 11 seconds back or something ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, caution would have made things a little bit more interesting. But, I mean, what else can you say about Atlanta? It just felt like, like you said, a classic Atlanta race. Well, here's the deal, though. So, we had last year, and I was this is the first Atlanta, Atlanta race I've missed in the, since 2018. and we had last year where the racing was unreal, and it gave me so much hope for the future of Atlanta with the Cup Series. And I was even preaching that Atlanta should get a second date with just how that racing was. But now I'm back to the same, the same, uh, same idea that, or the my classic stance on Atlanta that it's it's a one race track, and I, I don't know I don't know what the difference is with the cars between last year and this year, but the racing last year was edge of your seat. I mean, it came down to the final lap. You had a really close finish racing throughout the field. Uh, cars were sticking together and you go back to this year and it's like, we're back in 2017. Like it, it, did, it doesn't make sense, but the one redeeming factor of the Atlanta race weekend was AJ Allmendinger getting his first career oval win. And he was, he was electric. That was awesome. Yeah. He seemed like he was ready to party when he came out of that thing. I was at the Roval last year when, he ended up winning that race in Xfinity for Colleague. And you can just feel his excitement from the stands uh, when he won that race. So seeing it on TV, seeing him hop out of the car, he's screaming, oh, we won on an oval. It was just, I like A.J. Allmendinger. So seeing him win and succeed, even if it's, a, if it's part-time in an Xfinity, is really cool. And I wouldn't hate to see him full-time. Yeah, I think... Um... I heard him mention in his post-race interview that his last full-time year in Cup was not exciting for him. And, you know, I can definitely understand that, and I feel like that's kind of the 
kind of the reason why Jimmy's stepping down from full-time too. Not that it may not be exciting, but, you know, it's when you've been doing it. I mean, AJ's an older guy too. When you've been doing it so long, you know, there's only so many years you can do it, you know, being on the road most of the year. You know, it takes a toll on your family and you. So, uh, plus I feel like when you step away from it full-time and then you get – you do a part-time schedule like what AJ does, it makes – it makes your racing events more special and you, I feel like you can enjoy it more. And that's probably the main reason I think Jimmy is retiring after this year from full time is um, because I think he still wants to race, but I think he wants to pursue other interests like Tony Stewart did. you know, Tony Stewart runs sprint cars. Well, I think Jimmy wants to run, you know, stuff like Baja, which is what he started his racing career in. And I know he definitely wants to run either IndyCar or something like that. So um, I've even heard rumors that he could be in the um, the Indianapolis 500 in 2021. That would be really cool to see. And I want to talk a second. Speaking of Xfinity and AJ Allmendinger, I've got a question for both of you guys. So Anthony Alfredo finished 10th in the Xfinity race with uh, Richard Shoulders racing. Do you guys think that he is the real deal and he could possibly be a future star in NASCAR? Do you think it's just one of those just lucky finishes and he'll just be another Xfinity driver who doesn't really amount to much in the cup series. I really want to see him do good. I, uh, over the coronavirus break, I've watched a lot of his like I racing streams when they'd be like Friday night thunder and all that. I've, uh, really started to like him. He's, he's like a really nice guy, really good personality, but on track he has a few solid finishes. I think you retweeted something the other day. It was a stat that said he has an average finish of 10th which is pretty solid, but given the equipment he's in an RCR car, there's not much competition besides the top 15 in the Xfinity series. You have a couple of teams, Brandon Brown racing. Sometimes you get JD Motorsports up there. I want Anthony Alfredo to succeed, but I don't know if he's there yet. Maybe give him a little bit more time. I think he's in that same boat with like a Noah Gragson. He obviously has talent. He just needs a little bit more time to progress. Yeah, I have to agree. I just haven't seen him race enough to really go out that far to say. I mean, it's definitely what he's what he's his recent uh, success has been impressive, but I just don't think it's uh, the right time to say that. Although, um, you know, do like Josh mentioned, RCR they they have good equipment in the Xfinity series. You know, throughout the past couple of years, you know they've had Daniel Hemrick. Um, even though he never won a race, he was just a really consistent driver. And also, you know, Tyler Reddick. Um, so, but uh, yeah, it will be exciting to see how he pans out to see. And, you know, if he ends up being a really good driver, makes it to the Cup Series, well, that'll be great. I will say that he's he's probably got the best name in NASCAR. Anthony Alfredo, that is one hell of a name. And it, it makes me want to eat some Italian food. Like it, it just, it, I want some chicken Alfredo talking about it. Like, I feel like he could ex- attract some good sponsorship with that name some kind what do you, of Italian brand or something hunt brothers yeah, well hunt brothers already sponsors harvick so i i don't know of what what italian brand would sponsor nascar because i can't really off the top of my head think of any big italian names it's not like a like a brand like tostitos or something that DiGiorno. if his last name was toasty uh, you know, DiGiorno. DiGiorno. that'd be solid or like i mean uh, actually, I think they're um, Carabas Kroger. I think they're part of like Kroger's sponsorship for um, like Ryan Priest. They are like yeah. Scott Speed had such a good name for racing. Like Speed, your last name, your race car driver. I don't think it could be more fitting. I think uh, like Carabas or some Magianos or I, I'm oh. it, that, that's a long shot, but that would be really cool to see some big Italian restaurant getting behind Anthony Alfredo and. Like maybe his win celebration could be he eats a massive bowl of chicken Alfredo sitting on the start finish line with like uh, Dean Martin playing over the speed. Like that would be freaking electric. I think <laughs> that'd be awesome. See, I think we need to see drivers create more unique celebrations. Like Ross Chastain, he smashes the watermelon. Kyle Busch has his bow. I think we need to see Carl Edwards backflip. Yeah, we need to see more drivers adopt their own. Uh, their own style of celebration. 
because you can market so much off that. Like what, what WWE does with their signature moves. Like when you think of John Cena, you think of the an attitude adjustment or the five knuckle shuffle. And yeah. when you think of Ross Chastain, you think of him smashing a watermelon on the start finish line. So I feel like if these smaller drivers, you could really market yourself with some of these signature moves or se- signature celebration moves uh, that you could become known for. And you can go viral for it because, I mean, Carl Edwards, that was that was huge because he would get featured on so much um, on so many news outlets just from his backflip. I mean, there's it's untapped potential. I know Daniel Hemrick said uh, after he gets his first win, he's gonna start doing the backflip off his car, and I that's like the next wave of people coming in. There's a bunch of drivers. I feel like the lower tier teams have a lot of those drivers with a bunch of personality. Landon Castle, Matt DiBenedetto's got a lot. There's just so much fun personalities in the lower tier NASCAR that I feel like would be really marketable for celebrating or just marketable to sponsors if they had the opportunity that the uh, big guys have. How cool would it be to see Big Red come back and sponsor some cars? Because that was, that was, they always had super cool paint schemes. I don't know why I'm thinking of Big Red right now, probably because Ricky Bobby, but I think it'd be cool to see them come back to the sport and sponsor a couple races a year. I don't know really which drivers. I feel like the best driver would be a redhead. But I, mean, I can't really think of any redheads off the top of my head. Yeah, I, don't yeah. Know. Yeah, I can. We, uh... like if, you, if you just had like a, uh, like a fiery redhead with a, uh, with a fiery personality, dude, that would be a partnership of the ages. I'm going to have to start getting I'm, – I'm going to go train a driver – that has red hair and we're going to become the next NASCAR superstars. And I, I will market him and we will, uh, we're going to, we're going to take the world by storm. Uh, speaking of taking the world by storm, uh, this past weekend, NASCAR took a moment to talk about, or just acknowledge systemic racism in the country, especially with the, uh, with the death of George Floyd and, um, even Bubba Wallace wearing the, a uh, black lives matter t-shirt on pit road. I, I feel like it's slowly, getting into NASCAR and people are starting to realize that at the end of the day, yes, all lives matter, but right now black lives matter or black lives are being oppressed and that this needs to be changed. And the only way to do is to acknowledge it and to learn about it. And I think what NASCAR did with putting out the video of all the drivers talking about it was a good first step. So let's go and take a listen. We're no strangers to moving fast. And we know how life can have that same quality. But now? But now? But now is the time to slow down and reflect. The events of recent weeks highlighted the work we still need to do as a nation to condemn racial inequality and racism. The deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and countless others in the black community are heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Are heartbreaking and can no longer be ignored. Process begins with us listening. So on the on the basis of black or the the topic of Black Lives Matter. What? Do, how did you guys, or how do you guys feel NASCAR NASCAR handled the whole situation with uh, stopping the cars on the front stretch and turn off the engines and just taking a moment of silence to just reflect? What did you guys think about that? I think NASCAR did the right thing. Obviously, we're going through a time with lots of controversy, a lot of problems, and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is obviously. Uh, topping the news everywhere and it's got a reason it's a major problem in the united states along or around the world and um glad nascar did the right thing you saw how much it meant to all the african-american pit crew members i saw some in tears nascar officials down on a knee hand in the air the moment of silence meant more than just something to sit there and do it meant like unity among the whole sport and uh really glad they did it awesome video they released it's proud to be proud to be like a part of the sport and doing all this things or doing all this stuff and just really glad they did it yeah it was a powerful move um and you know i think that that's something that nascar needs to do because there a lot of people who are outsiders to the sport who know nothing about the sport who aren't fans of the sport they think of nascar and they think of Uh, the stigma around NASCAR of, you know, being a Southern sport, being kind of created in the era of segregation. So they just associate and 
just automatically think that, you know, there there's not a lot of black people or black drivers, so they must be racist and things like that, which I think NASCAR has been doing their best, and especially yesterday, to really put that to rest by saying, look, this is, that may have occurred in the past, but moving forward in this 21st century, this is really not who we are, and, you know, we celebrate everybody of any creed or any background, and, um, you know, that's feel like they sent that message message received yeah i agree and i mean and people don't always associate nascar with african-americans and that's that's the biggest misunderstanding of all time because there's so many african-americans in this sport uh whether it be officials or crewmen or drivers uh, even in the uh, up-and-coming series and I, I i i don't know i don't know how they felt but i really think that even in the slightest that the move that NASCAR made on Sunday really meant something to them and that it, it made them feel like a part of the sport and that they should always feel like they're a part of the sport. Um, but I, th- I thought overall that NASCAR did a great job at uh, acknowledging it and not just uh, ignoring it because it, it shows that NASCAR is striving to make these changes and in the stigma and systemic racism within the sport and that we all need to work on it. And me and Josh and Jay and every, every single fan. I mean, it just it, – it was a good move by NASCAR, and I think they did a great job at uh, at making it known. But uh, moving into our next segment, uh, it's a brand-new one this week, uh, kind of taken away from NASCAR Race Hub, their version – or it's our version of hit the brakes or pump the gas. Or is it hit the gas or pump – yeah, hit the gas, pump the brakes. Yeah, I mean, you get you get the gist of it. Uh, but we're going to call it retweet or mute. So most of the time when you see a hot take on Twitter, you're either going to retweet it or think this guy's an idiot and I don't want to see it anymore, so I'm going to mute it. So I'm going to throw out a hot take, and I want you all to tell me whether you're going to mute the tweet or retweet it, and then give me your thoughts. So this is, this is a nice discussion piece. So number one, a rookie will fi- it will finish in the round of eight in the playoffs. I'm uh, going to have to retweet. We've seen Tyler Reddick be so good recently. I think he's going to be the sole rookie in the round of eight in the playoffs. But I think he'll be comfortably in there. I think we're going to see him in victory lane. I think we're going to consistently see him in the top ten and outrun teammate Austin Dillon and just show the speed that RCR is capable of. So I think uh, Tyler Reddick will definitely be in the round of eight. I'm going to have to mute on this one. Um, I just don't see that happening. Even as good as Tyler Reddick has been performing lately, um, I think it's still way too early to see that. First of all, he's going to need to get in the playoffs. Uh, the last, I believe he was 18th on the standing, so he's going to need to find a way to get into that top 16 firsthand. And uh, I've got to see him put together some more complete races. Um, really, i got to see him at – more tracks, more diverse tracks, especially the short tracks and a road course and uh, something like that um, because we have that in the playoffs now. We have the Roval in the playoffs. We have Martinsville. We have Bristol. We have Richmond all in the playoffs. And he's going to have to show me more speed and finishes there before I can really, you know, agree with that. But, yeah, I'm going to have to mute that one. All right. All right. Hot take number two. Hendrick Motorsports will have two cars in the final four. Ooh, this one's tough. But uh, gonna, you got it. I'm going to have to mute that one as well. Um, I think they'll have one car in the top four. Making two cars is, is going to be a tall task. Um, although if, if I would say if there were two cars that would make the top four right now, I'd definitely have to say it would definitely be Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman. Um there's still a good chance it can happen, but I feel like with just all the competition, it's going to be so hard for them to get two cars in there. I think you're probably going to you're probably going to see a pretty diverse group. I'm thinking not going to make any Final Four predictions right now, but I think they're definitely going to be see cup a, a car from pretty much one of the major organizations. Like I think we'll probably see a Penske, a JGR, a Hendrick, and maybe even a Haas all in the final four. So I think if we saw that, that would be a really exciting uh, championship. I'm going to have to mute on this one as well. 
Uh, like Jay said, getting two cars from the same manufacturer is already a tough task. You've seen JGR do it a few times, but for Hendrick to come in here after not performing too hot the past couple of years and get two cars in the Final Four, I think that's going to be too much. I think we're only going to see um, one Hendrick car. It's either going to be Chase Elliott or Alex Bowman. They're, um, or Bowman just dropped down to eighth in standings after another rough week. So I think Chase Elliott's definitely the top runner for Hendrick Motorsports right now, but wouldn't be surprised if he uh, flipped with Bowman if uh, Bowman's season turns around. All right. Hot take number three. Kyle Busch's wind drought will carry on into the late summer months, so August. Quick mute on that one. We're coming up the tracks. He's the champion. He uh, raced well at uh, Homestead Miami Speedway last year. We're coming up on that this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if he went to victory lane there, Pocono, Indianapolis, Kentucky, where he almost won last year. There's so many tracks lined up right here that Kyle Busch is just so good at. And uh, I think we're going to see him in victory lane before August. I'm going to say hit the gas on this one. Um, I actually think that that's pretty much spot on. I think that just the way his season has started, it hasn't been the best start for him. They've had speed. They've had fast cars, but they haven't been able to put together races. seems like almost every race and cup and trucks and Xfinity, he's having pit road speeding penalties. He's making costly mistakes on pit road. He's been getting involved in some accidents and incidents with other cars on the track. I just think that right now the team's struggling to put together complete races. Now, they did finish second yesterday, which was a good uh, step in the right direction. But I think I have to agree with this one that um, he's going to he's gonna be going on a little bit longer windless drought. But what I will say is I think that by the end of the summer, and it seems to have been this way before for him. He seems to get his act together, and he starts putting together wins, and he can make that championship run. All right, and the final hot take of the day. Judging how the season has gone thus far, the 2020 champion will drive a Ford. Retweet. I, uh, it's hard to go against Kevin Harvick right now and say that he's not going to win the title he is right now. I got a forty-eight point lead already on second place, Joey Logano, and I think it's just going to keep growing and growing. He's won at Darlington, ran well at Charlotte, got the win uh, yesterday at Atlanta. The guy's on fire, and I think he's going to carry it all the way back to his best track at uh, in Phoenix. He's been so dominant there over the years. Now the championship race moved from Homestead, Miami to Phoenix, and I don't think it suits anyone better than Kevin Harvick, and I think we're going to see him a champion. I've also got to retweet this one. Um, it just seems like from the Ford, um, from all the Ford teams, that they just seem to have the cream of the crop right now. There's so many good options from Ford, so many great drivers driving Fords right now who are hot and who could win this championship. I'm mainly thinking of Joey Logano. He's he's the mo our most recent Phoenix winner. He can get to Phoenix. He can be in the Final Four. He can really perform almost any track in the playoffs. So that gives him a, a lot of different chances to advance into the rounds and eventually get to the last race. You also have Kevin Harvick, like Josh said. He's you know the Cactus King um, at Phoenix. So, I mean, he's another good option there. But you, know, you can't forget about the rest of the Penske guys. Blaney's been fast this year. Um, Kozlowski has been showing up the past couple weeks too. And, uh, even, uh, Clint Boyer, uh, he's been doing well the past couple weeks too. I don't know if he can make a championship run, but I'm, I definitely want to count him out at this point. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into some trivia. Uh, someone remind me of the score so far. I tied it up last week. So it is two, two. All right. Well, this week we're going to be getting to some more technical questions. I guess that's the theme for the week. So put on your thinking caps. Hope you guys have been training your brains, eating your Wheaties. And uh, I don't I don't really think there's a, a food that really benefits the brain, like carrots with eyesight or, I guess, Wheaties with muscles. But I hope whatever benefits the brain, you guys have been eating it. So, question number one. How tall is the NASCAR spoiler at intermediate and super speedways? Oh, nine inches. Nine inches is the correct answer. That is a 
You guys didn't seem too confident on that one. I was uh, going to say 11, but I changed it in like the middle of you saying it, so. I was going <laughs> to say 6. I wish it was 6. I'd much rather have that than 9. Yeah. I do like the 9-inch spoiler. Actually, I think a I think a 7 or 8-inch would look cool. I don't really know how... I don't, I don't know how I feel about the clear uh, portion of the spoiler at the top. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's tough to come up with an opinion on it. All right, question number two. What material are NASCAR windshields made of? Plexiglass. Um, like polycarbonate or something like that? What'd you say? Is it like polycarbonate? It's technically Lexon, but I will give you polycarbonate because that is basically what Lexon is. So well done. You tied it up. 1-1. One, one. Now, I, I I had a feeling none of you or neither of you guys would get that question right, but Jay, well done. It's like a repeat of the how much does a car weigh. <laughs> All right, this one this is a fun one. All right, what type of gasoline does NASCAR use in its top three series? Sunoco. There's a specific type of Sunoco gasoline. Sunoco E15. Looking for everything here. It's like a green fuel. It's uh, literally green in color, but it's like um, it's like 102 octane or something like that. No, no, no. I don't need the octane. What is it? What is the official name of the gasoline? Snip. Uh, ah. green fuel. Oh, Incorrect. The correct answer, Josh. You almost had it, but I'm not just gonna give you because it's it's Sunoco Green E15. Yeah, we had the pieces there, but you, you guys did not quite want to. Uh, you guys didn't quite want to put the pieces together. I can hear the but, commercial yeah. going on in my head. It was like Sunoco Green 15. Or now I hear like the green, but like I just couldn't think of that word. I knew it had E in it. So. Yeah, the E15. I, I mean, whenever I think of Sunoco Green 15, I or E15, I think of first of all the the green outline of the gas, not or the. Uh, gas tanks and then the uh an austin dillon's car that he drives every now and then with the e15 on the front of it mm-hmm. classic all right final question winner take all before sunoco was the official gas of nascar which brand had that position mm-hmm. i don't oh. know I gotta take a guess. Um, uh, I don't know. Five seconds. Texaco? It's incorrect. What is it? Did you make a guess? I, I have no idea. I don't know where to start. Man. All right. The correct answer was... Phillips 76. I can't believe you guys didn't get that because they literally had the massive signs, yeah. the massive orange balls that said 76. Yes. I, <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That didn't even. That was a classic. Like, I don't. So they did that with gasoline. They uh, they came into the sport, or they left the sport in 2003. They had a merger and decided to bow out, and that's when Sunoco took over the as the official fuel of NASCAR. I feel like I'm on MRN right now. Sunoco, the official fuel of NASCAR. All right, give me a second here. Y'all y'all chat it up for a second. I got to come up with another question because I, I didn't think we'd be tied after four questions. Yeah, these questions have been kind of tough today. I'm not too hot on the technical stuff. Once we get the stats, that's kind of my wheelhouse. But I feel like technical is more my area. Yeah, you know all the pounds that a race car. I don't know all that stuff. Well, that's what that's all Jay does. Is he, just reads tech, he just reads technical uh, facts about the cars themselves. Yeah. So, uh, all right, finishing out. This one is actually very easy, so it's really gonna be the first person to uh, blurt it out. But what is the piece on the very front nose of the car that drivers often complain about? Splitter. I'm gonna have to give that one to Josh. He finishes word right before you. So Josh takes a three-two win. Ah, or a uh, one, two, one win. Wait, was it? Yeah, yeah it was two, two one. one win, and it's three two in the standings. Golly, 
What are so many back. numbers in my head right now, and I cannot, I can't think of all the numbers at once. Now I'm just gonna start it off. Now we're here, three two, three in a row. We're gonna keep it rolling. This is like the uh, Golden State Warriors, but Jay is the Golden State Warriors. Jay blew a two-zero lead. I usually give this pep talk to Josh at the end of trivia, but Jay, you need to step it up. I had the right Come on. Or it just wasn't fast enough. You gotta be, you gotta be quick, dude. Especially in these situations. Way over the internet? I don't know. Could be. All right, well, let's go ahead and move into our interview today. Uh, we are interviewing Steve Everett. He is the artist with multiple songs featured on an assortment of NASCAR Heat games. Uh, hope you guys enjoy. on today's interview we have steve everett uh born in albany georgia raised in greensburg north carolina uh steve's been featured on a couple nascar heat games starting with nascar heat 2 with his song chemical weapon and has had an assortment of songs in the games ever since then uh so i want to go ahead and play y'all a quick snippet of a song that's going to be featured in nascar heat 5 so i hope you guys enjoy that All right, Steve. Well, I want to go ahead and uh, hear some more about you. Uh, let our listeners hear more about what makes Steve Everett Steve Everett. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your uh, upcomings in music. Man, well, I just want to say thanks for having me. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I, I've been uh, going on walks every day during this quarantine, the whole whole deal. And uh, I've listened to some, some of the episodes and you guys are, uh, I can tell you guys have known each other for a while and you're all tight. So this is cool. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm new to the NASCAR world. Uh, basically just uh, having some songs on these NASCAR heat games has kind of introduced me to a lot of folks who maybe I wouldn't have found otherwise. And uh, I got to tell you, man, it's I, I have like a friendly little corner of the internet and everybody from the NASCAR scene has been so sweet and positive. You know, you always hear about terrible stuff on the internet, but I mean, if you look at my YouTube videos, it's just a bunch of people being like, hey, congratulations, wish you luck in the future. And you're like, man, this is so different. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, go ahead with my question uh, regarding NASCAR heat. So, uh, first song was Chemical Weapon on NASCAR Heat 2. What was the process of getting uh, your song on the game? Did they reach out to you and say they wanted your song on there? Was there uh, something from your record label? label, Or what was, the, uh, what was the process of getting your songs on uh, Heat 2, uh, Heat 4, and Heat 5? Yeah, it's I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be back uh, for a third game with, with two songs. Honestly, this is getting to be a, a pattern that I love, but yeah, man, I just, you know, growing up in North Carolina, I went to Appalachian State for college and just have a lot of friends in the Charlotte area and uh, some folks that I've, you know, graduated with that went on to uh, work for NASCAR. And so I've just kind of always been around. Um, and so uh, that company, 704 Games out of Charlotte, is the one who uh, has been making the, the NASCAR Heat games uh, through EA Sports and now Sony. And uh, basically just I knew some folks over there and they knew about me. And so when it came time for them to choose the music, my name was included and they asked me for some songs. And so I kind of sent them some stuff that I thought would fit the, you know, turning left for a long time. And uh, <laughs> they luckily they went for it, man. Well, that's awesome. We uh, we had some other questions from Jay and Josh. So whichever one of you guys want to go first and pick his brain for a bit. I can go first since we're on the topic of introducing. So. Uh, music usually runs in families. I'm interested, like, to see, did your family get you into music? How did, like, you uh, get started and have this such strong passion for music? Yeah, my uh, my dad was, you know, born and raised in North Carolina and, um, you know, ended up 
not even having like indoor plumbing and electricity till he was 16. And uh, from that upbringing, decided to be a professional opera singer. So like in the 70s, he was singing in New York and on the West Coast. And he, he definitely just, uh, you know, knew that's what he had to do and uh, found a way to get there from, you know, pretty poor, humble beginnings. And so, uh, I don't know, when I came along, like he, he kind of wound up finding a happy medium and was, uh, you know, ch a church choir director at about a million different denominations. And uh, so we just kind of had that upbringing. So I was just always around music. My, my mom can play piano. My brother can sing and play a little bit. And uh, yeah, you're definitely right. It just kind of runs in the family. Um, one thing I wanted to go back and talk about when going back to Chemical Weapon, um, you know, that was the first time I'd been introduced to your music. And, you know, Henry, Henry was mentioned it before that, you know, we, you know, we love listening to it anytime we're driving together and, you know, blaring it on the speakers when you're driving places, almost being obnoxious with it. But um, that's one of, I mean, when I think of you and your music, that's the first song I think of. And I don't know if you have favorite songs that you've created, but um, what, if, if you care to uh, just quickly, I guess, delve into the meaning behind that song and what, I guess, what inspired that song. And if you chose that one for, by, like for NASCAR Heat or if 704 Games chose that song for NASCAR Heat. Yeah, I, uh, I selected that one and, uh, and one other one from my first record um, to send over to them. Uh, so I guess I, I, you know, I gave them a couple of options and they wound up choosing that one. Uh, but both of the ones I sent kind of had like an angrier edge. You know, a, a lot of my stuff is um, I try to just kind of offer people a lift. Um, I, I'd love for when people listen to my records for it to just kind of make you forget about other stuff. And maybe you just tap your toes and kind of get some free good vibes out of it. That's kind of what I've always shot for. And, uh, you know, but over the course, there's been a few songs that have a little angrier tone to them. And so this is this is one of those for sure. I, I wrote it about. Um, just somebody who, you know, I had invested so much into as a friend and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're robbing from yourself to, to give to your friend. And then you find out at some point they've also been stealing from you while you've been doing that. And so it's just kind of, it's kind of a friend breakup song. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, that songs like that, uh, as soon as you write them, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to end up singing this one for pretty much every show just cause it's, you know, anytime you write la 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 or na 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 in a song, you're like, yeah, this is going to stick around for a while because people just kind of gravitate towards that stuff like that stuff that's easy to, to remember. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, um, certainly, certainly catchy. Uh, kind, hey. of, kind of as a follow up to that, um, since you've been featured by 704 Games and a bunch of their different releases, including this upcoming release, how have they kind of uh, increase your success as well as your, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Just yeah. Kind of, you know what I mean? Definitely kind of elevated the profile a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I think, I think the reason 704 chooses, um, independent musicians just because, you know, you don't have to pay an arm and a leg for the rights to like, you know, a Black Crows song or like a Rolling Stones song, you know, all of a sudden mm -hmm. you can, you know, you can keep the budget way lower and then everybody kind of wins. And uh, for the independent artists like me, um, you know, th those songs are getting thousands of streams per year that they wouldn't normally get. And so it's just, it's, it's an obvious, uh, you know, if you just kind of look through my, my catalog um, and, you know, you can just see the play counts and realize the ones that are on the, the heat games have just kind of found an audience that the other ones haven't quite yet. Uh, but it has led to people reaching out and digging through my back catalog. And uh, it's interesting what you said about uh, chemical weapon being what you associate with me, because it's funny how that's that's just kind of how it is. Like if a train starts in Los Angeles and ends up in New York, um, you know, it, your favorite can your favorite part of the journey can only be while you were on the train. So if you get on in Chicago, uh, you're always going to remember the the leg from Chicago to New York and uh, you know, it's, that's kind of how it is with bands. You, you get in when you get in. And if you got in with Red Hot Chili Peppers early on, you probably don't like what they're doing now. But if you got in 10 years ago, you're probably like, this is my favorite band. Yeah, totally. And I guess as another follow up to that, um, you know, for people who aren't super familiar with your music, if there was one song who people didn't know your music that you wanted them to listen to, one that you want to be known more, what would that be? 
Oh man. However I answer this, I'll, I'll lay up sleepless tonight thinking, you know, about whether it was right or not. Uh, I, that's a good question, man. I, uh, the, the fresh cookies always taste the best. So like, you know, stuff that I've written, uh, really recently is, is stuff that I'm really proud of just cause it kind of represents all the tools that you've, that you've been able to develop. You know, it's, it's kind of the best you can do at this current moment, but, um, yeah, looking back, I would say LMNOP is just this very uh, innocent kind of pure love song, kind of a throwback to growing up in the 90s. And uh, I think I think that's probably the most accurate to, to who I am as a dude. Just kind of, you know, I don't want any trouble with anybody. I just kind of want to give everybody a hug uh, with my guitar, basically. It sounds like a comfortable hug. <laughs> All right, Steve, so... Being a big music guy, I, I love music as well. Who would you say some of your, um, like, who do you look up to in the music world or kind of want to uh, model your music and sound after? Like, what are some of the bands you, you associate your sound with? Yeah. Um, man, my favorite band in growing up was Sister Hazel. And, uh, you know, they had that big old hit, uh, All For You, in the 90s. And I just, I just love that sound. And there was some other stuff going on in the 90s that, just had a lot of, you know, B3 organ in the background and the vocals were, you know, up front and center. There was cool harmony and there were still guitar solos and there was just fun energy and really quirky songs. Uh, I felt like a lot of our rock stars in the 90s didn't take themselves very seriously. And uh, I really, that just kind of appealed to me, you know, it was less about an individual and more about like, um, you know, what, what they believed in or what the, what the band stood for and stuff. And I just thought that was cool. So I, I dug in with them, but I also have always loved Tom Petty a ton. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think uh, Keith Urban is like a, a slightly countryer version of what I do. And I've always really gravitated towards his stuff just because it's so fun. And he kind of has that carefree, you know, crack a beer, you know, throw, throw your, take your outer layer off, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> now, what would, what would you say is your favorite concert that you've ever been to? Excluding yourself, because I'm sure your concerts are unreal. <laughs> oh, man. Was that a euphemism? I'm kidding. Uh, man, the, the best show I've ever seen, hands down, was uh, was Need to Breathe at uh, at this little tiny place called The Loft in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, are you guys familiar with Need to Breathe? I am. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, South Carolina-based band. And um, they're just their live show is incredible and it's, it's just rock and roll. Uh, but they're all like, you know, just good Southern boys that, you know, are, are very, uh, have good heads on their shoulders and they just kind of, they kind of want to spread love around just like I do. And, uh, but I saw them, uh, it was right before they kind of blew up, uh, in Atlanta and it was just, it, you could just tell, I don't know. It was so weird to be a part of something, not knowing that much about the band, but I could just tell like, Oh, these guys are like, this is their moment. They're about to do big things. And I get to kind of be here the night it all comes together. I don't know. I could just tell. And then very soon afterwards, they were doing big things. So it's just, it's, it's cool how undeniable stuff like that can be. Yeah. Back to a, a NASCAR point of view. We got a race. Uh, speaking of Atlanta, that's at Atlanta Motor Speedway this upcoming weekend. Uh, do you just want to throw out a, a quick race prediction of who you think might win? I think, uh, I think, Kurt Busch and Kyle Busch are going to switch cars is what I think is going to happen. It's a good pick right there. And uh, for the listeners, I know coronavirus has kind of got all live music put on pause right now, but do you have anything planned for later in the year? Uh, any, any tour, I mean a uh, tour coming up or any shows that you guys have already scheduled? Man, I'm, I'm kind of uh, at, at this, at this point, I'm basically just not making plans. I'm just tr trying to roll with the punches and, <laughs> Uh, I've been going on a lot of walks and doing a lot of deep thinking, which is, you know, as a songwriter, I can technically write that off as work. So, uh, I'm just kind of waiting to see, you know, when everything opens back up. Cause I'm, I'm definitely chomping at the bit for, uh, for people to, you know, listen to me sing songs. I, I, you know, we forget how much we need that as performers till it's gone. And then you're just, you know, you feel a little bit weird and all of a sudden, you know, your family's tired of having to give you compliments and they're wishing <laughs> that they could tag out, you know? Well, if you're ever going to be in the Birmingham area, that's where I'm based. I go to school down in uh, Birmingham, but if you're ever in the area, I will be front row screaming for you. Uh, 
looking forward to someday whenever all this mess is over, getting to see you play in uh, in person. Uh, but real quick, did you want uh, go ahead and uh, plug your music, your uh, Spotify and Twitter and all that stuff, so our followers can uh, give you a follow on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just also say I'm, I'm the I'm, through uh, through some circumstance, I ended up being the vice president of a children's cancer charity out of Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, we do uh, music events every year. Um, and our flagship event is down in St. George Island, Florida, every Mother's Day weekend. So uh, we're a volunteer board. All the money we raise goes straight to the uh, pediatric cancer research uh, that we fund. And uh, it's just a really great organization called Rock by the Sea. And uh, you can find out more at rockbythesea.org. Um, but other than that, I- I'm at uh, steveeverettmusic.com. Um, or if you're old school, steveeverett.net. <laughs> and uh, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, everywhere. Just, uh, just Google Steve Everett and uh, click on something and we'll, I'll, I'll see you there. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming and talking to us for a bit and let us pick your brain. Um, I'm sure all of our listeners are going to love to uh, hear your voice, hear a little bit about you and uh, hear your music if they haven't already been introduced to it. So thanks again. I hope you enjoy the rest of this uh, coronavirus vacation type deal and uh, looking forward to getting you on the road here real soon. I love it. Thank you guys so much. Once again, that was Steve Everett. Make sure you guys all go follow him on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you guys listen to his music. Even if you buy CDs, go to a, I don't even know, Target, Walmart, go buy a CD. Seriously, Amazon, buy it. Uh, Also, if you uh, feel so inclined, donate to his uh, charitable organization or the one he works with, Rock by the Sea. Um, I didn't know about it till uh, till the interview, but it, after research, it's one hell of an organization. Uh, fixing to buy some merch as soon as some more money falls into my lap. Um, but I encourage all of you guys to go check out the website and uh, see what you can do to help such a great cause. But let's go ahead and move into our final segment, the classic hot takes, dark horse picks. This week we're going to be doing Martinsville, the first night race at Martinsville tomorrow night, which is going to be Wednesday. And we have – uh, homestead on Sunday. So we'll start with the winner, Josh. Let's hear it. So I was extremely off with my Bristol hot take. I was said, oh, it's going to be a very calm race. Well, it turns out there's 17 cautions. So I'm going to keep that trend. I'm going to say that we have a wild race at Martinsville under the lights. First time ever under the lights there. Weeknight. I'm pumped up for it. I can't wait. And, uh, but I'm going to have to go with uh, Denny Hamlin for that race. He's been really good there. He's from Virginia. It's sort of kind of a home track, but wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, someone like Chris Buescher uh, make it up to the front. I'd, uh, I've loved watching him in the Roush Fenway racing car all season long. It's I'm trying, still getting used to it, calling the 17 Stenhouse, but really cool to see Chris Buescher doing well after making his way up through their Xfinity program. But going into Homestead, I definitely have to go with Kyle Busch. He uh, championed last year, won there last year, and has just shown so much speed there over the years. So those are both my picks for Martinsville and Homestead. Yeah, for Martinsville, um, I'll have to oh, go. Wait, what, was, what was your hot take? Uh, that we're going to see a wild race at Martinsville. Okay, okay. Just making sure you gave one this week. Yeah, I'll start off with uh, my hot take. Um, I think that the rookies are going to show up at Martinsville and not necessarily because um, because they were racing well, but I think they're just going to show up because I feel like there's going to be a lot of attrition in this race. Um, I feel like there's there's a good amount of grudges going out of there on the track between certain drivers. I think you might see some attrition, some, some people wreck out, and these rookies are just going to find their way to the front. Um, and that kind of ties into my dark horse for um, – for uh, Martinsville, I think Christopher Bell is going to be my dark horse. For some reason, I just see him getting a nab in the top 10 here. Then the race just kind of falling into his lap at that point. 
Um, so he's going to be my dark horse. I would have gone with Matt Kenseth, but I feel like I've used him before already. Although I still think that he's a good dark horse for Martinsville because he's always been strong at Martinsville in the short tracks. Um, I just don't know if he's as familiar with these cars as he has been in the past, but especially considering he's in the Chevy now. But I don't know if it'll make too much of a difference since it's not really an aero-dependent track. Um, and then moving on to Homestead weekend, my dark horse for that race is probably going to be Tyler Reddick. Um, he seems to like the High Line, which is a good place for for um, him to run his homestead, where you can actually get that High Line to work for you. So I think he'll be my dark horse pick for homestead. Um, I think that uh, he'll probably nab a top ten there as well. All right, my dark horse at Martinsville will be. Uh, Clint Boyer, I think he will get it done. He's starting in the uh, fourth position. He's starting near the front. He, uh, I think he'll find a way to stay up near the front of the top ten most of the day, and he'll find a way to be in the mix at the end of the race. Uh, going to Homestead, um, let's see. Yeah, I'd probably say Tyler Reddick as my uh, dark horse pick for um, for homestead miami speedway i just think he's run super well recently and he if he can find himself up near the front he'll find a way to nudge his way in there and get his first win but my hot take and this is a uh this is a future hot take this is this is a season long one um but homestead miami speedway will be the track that mark Truex's season turns around and that everyone will look back at this one race and be like this is when it all turned around this is the race right here homestead miami speedway so you're saying he's gonna so, be on a tear yeah actually no I, I meant to say there's an if if martin tricks wins this weekend that's when they uh, look back at it he can't have a mediocre finish but if he wins this is going to be the uh the race that everyone looks back at as the pivotal turning point of his 2020 season and which will propel him to the final four. So there's one of my final four picks at the end of the season right now. Don't hold me to it when we get there, please. I might change my mind. But, uh, yes, so that's the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all the social media. Listen, subscribe on Spotify and all the podcast providers. And uh, make sure you follow our brand-new YouTube, uh, Behind the Wall Podcast. We're going to be posting a lot of content there, uh, random videos, uh, interviews with uh, all of our celebrities that we have on the pod. So I hope you guys will drop us a sub and uh, turn on post notifications. I guess we're all YouTubers now, so we got to say the, the lingo. But uh, thanks, for, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.